Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Well, all right, all right, all right. <sighs> Give it a nice long sigh, breathe in, <laughs> and then breathe out. <sighs> Let the bad vibes fly <laughs> off thee. Speaking of vibes, yes. my, uh, one of my friends wants us to do pictures as, like, members of the House of Vibes. Oh my gosh. Just for the heck of it. So we've been texting back and forth for like days, figuring uh-huh. out what our names would be for like the house of <laughs> Because like It's amazing. I mean, I mean like Bucephalus. Come on. <laughs> That's an amazing name. It's pretty spectacular. Where he came up with that, I don't know. But I appreciate it deeply. So like we've uh-huh. been trying to come up with crazy names like this. <laughs> As she was telling me this, I had just finished re-watching Good Omens. Yes! So then, all that that was, so then all that was on my mind was like, Aziraphale. And I was like, that's already a name. I can't, can't, <laughs> can't feel that. it. I gotta no. use something else. But I'm like, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, that's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that miniseries. I love it. It's so, so good. good. It's so, so good. So good. They go through a crisis of their own. For the <laughs> whole really, thing. Honestly, they do. It's, I mean, it's the apocalypse that they're setting up or, or trying to stop. Yeah. Both of them have their own little crisis. I feel like Aziraphale especially because he just cannot yeah. accept the fact that he has not been like a perfect angel the entire time right? that he's been on Earth. He's like, no, I'm a good guy. I'm on heaven's side. Meanwhile, I'm like, you're you're dicking around with a demon like you aren't Honestly. <laughs> you aren't perfect dude like get over yourself but whatever all the characters on the show are so flawed and it's amazing mm-hmm. i love it yeah oh, my gosh it's so perfect it's so good but anyways that was my attempt to get us a segue into today's topic yeah so today we are talking about what to do during a crisis of faith. Yes. Because those happen. All the and time. <laughs> if you're having your midlife crisis, your quarter life crisis, your daily crisis. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So if you're not having a crisis at all during this time, I am very impressed and semi-worried about your sanity. Yeah, same. Let's yeah. do this. We've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. We, as we talked about, like, revelation, getting answers to prayers, figuring out how to live your life as a single person without the prospect of, like, getting married. Like, all of mm-hmm. these things have kind of led us in this direction. We've all experienced trials of our faith, and we talk about them regularly in and out of church. Like you were saying, there's a pandemic going on. There's like an economic crisis going on. There's wildfires out west. There's hurricanes just coming one right after another in the coast of Florida. Like, it's just crazy. There are so many different crises that happen. But like, sometimes we ignore discussing the trials of our faith and the crises of our faith that we have. Like when we are questioning doctrine, when we're questioning policy, when we're questioning everything we believe and wondering if we'll ever be the same as we were when we were at our like spiritual peak. 
sometimes we look back on times when our testimonies were burning like really, really brightly. And we were so confident in our knowledge and our surety of like the truth. We basically felt like we were walking right next to Jesus. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. those are the days. Yeah. And like sometimes we either long for that feeling and we want to have that feeling again, or we hate ourselves for ever feeling like that and not feeling it now. Kaylee and I decided that we wanted to talk about these crises of faith because we feel like it's something we need to normalize and we need to talk more freely about because crises of faith are normal. Exactly. I feel like it's always taboo to talk about it in the church, to consider our doubts, to ask questions when we don't understand everything clearly. But it's very important that we do normalize this, that we understand that we're not always going to be at our greatest. Sometimes we are going to hit a low point. And we need to be okay with that because, I mean, it's okay that everyone questions things every now and again. Our spiritual growth isn't linear. It's like a mountain range, which means that when we face the heights of our spirituality, we also have to face the lows. It's going to go up and down, up and down. It happens. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because that's really how we learn. That's what this life is meant for us to do. Like, we're going to have great times where it's like, okay, I just learned this about grace and I feel so great. But then the next week you're going to be like, okay, I'm really struggling with um, modesty. And now I'm questioning everything that I know. And it's, it's easy for that to happen sometimes if we allow ourselves to get carried away. And it's easy to embrace our doubts more and to lose our focus. We want to talk about how to endure a crisis of faith, what to do during it, and how you can remain hopeful. Um, Because at least for me, the majority of time when I do go through a crisis of faith, I am clinging to any shred of hope that I have um, that I can figure this out. Like I am very prone to panicking, very prone. The moment one thing goes wrong, I start to lose it. But the one thing that always keeps me going is that there is at least one small thing that I can hold on to and be like, I need this. I need to figure out what's going on. I need to make sense of this. And so hopefully we can talk about this during Ate's episode as we kind of try to better understand it and what we can do uh, while we're going through it. Yeah, I am very similar. Um, (laughs) I don't quite lose it entirely when something goes wrong because Mm -hmm. I would probably be dead at this point if that was the case (laughs) with how 2020 has gone for me. Um, But I definitely think that we need to normalize this kind of conversation and we need to be more willing to talk about the lows of our spirituality as Mm -hmm. often as we are willing to talk about the highs of our spirituality which I don't know if everybody is like just better than me but I have a lot of spiritual (laughs) lows okay like I get a lot I I have a lot of questions and I just feel like I need to normalize this conversation more and yes. talk about my lows. We more do. Often. Lows are okay. Lows are normal. Like the moment I get over my initial panic, I'm just like, I'm just hitting the low. Like the, the, the world, my world is not ending. I just have to talk mm-hmm. and think about it and really consider where my questions are coming from. And I think, I think that happens to everyone. I've talked to so many of my other friends as well. And that kind of thing happens. Like, we're going to have questions. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. So remember that as we go into these specific details today, that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have a crisis of faith. Everything is okay. We're going to start out with, what is a crisis of faith? So there's this really cool resource that I found through Google, (laughs) 
<laughs> I literally yeah, Google. <laughs> I literally just googled like what is a crisis of faith and this perfect website popped up. So it comes from gotquestions.org which yeah. is a ministry of dedicated and trained servants who have a desire to assist others in their understanding of God, scripture, salvation and other spiritual topics. So they are people who are Christian, Protestant, evangelical, theologically conservative, and some are non-denominational. They view themselves as a parachurch ministry. So they work alongside churches to help mm. people find answers to their spiritually related questions, specifically in the Bible. They do their research prayerfully and spiritually, and then they focus on the Bible and they point people to finding their answers in the Bible. So like, it won't be, here's a biblical verse that explains like the answer to your question, but it'll be like, this is a good point to start from. And then like, you need to pray and study what we've written as well as what the Bible says on your own. And then you can find your own answer. So I thought this website was amazing. Nice. Under the question, how can I overcome a crisis of faith? It says, the term crisis of faith usually refers to the point at which a person feels that he or she can no longer serve God or follow Christ. A person going through a crisis of faith is tempted to turn away from all that he or she had believed in. When we feel we are facing a crisis of faith, there are some questions we should ask ourselves. What did I have faith in? What caused this crisis of faith? What do I believe I deserved but did not get? A crisis of faith can bring us to the point of such desperation that we are willing to do things God's way, no matter what the cost. To overcome a crisis of faith, we must surrender entirely to God's plan for us. To give God instructions about how our lives should go is to eventually suffer a crisis of faith when he does not follow our specific instructions. We may discover in our dark night of the soul that we had not given him the wholehearted devotion that he requires, which can be found in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 30. Okay, I really like that. I like how it points out that it's like, okay, like a lot of these crises of faith happen, like if we're not really paying attention yeah, um, to what's going on, like, because yeah, God is not going to do what we want. He's going to do what he needs to have happen. And it's important that we remember this. That we can't be like, okay, can I just like get a job right now in this city? Like, let's let's just make this happen. Yeah. And then he'll be like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. I love that he said like specifically when we are giving God instructions about how our lives should go, it ultimately causes a crisis of faith. Because like you said, like when things don't work out the way that we want it to or the way that we like told God that we wanted it to work out, we're obviously going to be like, well, God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me none of this matters, blah, 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 blah. And then like your crisis happens. Taking time to recognize that we have to trust the Lord and we yeah. have to just let him do what he knows is best for us is ultimately what's going to help us overcome whatever crisis of faith that we have. Exactly. I think the the concept of trust is very key here. Like the mm -hmm. moment we we start to question things and when is when we start to like question our trust as well and to lose it potentially. Yeah, um, which we need to keep in mind. And so like, I've always had like, at least a little bit of trust in the Lord. But there are times where I'm like, okay, but what about this? Like, you haven't told me what this is. And I want answers. I don't understand what's going on. And if this doesn't make sense, then this might not make sense. And so on. And then I just snowball. Um, but there's always a little bit of something that I hang on to, because I know, like, it has to make sense eventually, even if I don't have it at that moment. I like this quote from A.W. Tozer. He okay. says, 
It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Sometimes we respond to that hurt with having a crisis of faith. But what feels to us like the end is often the beginning of a new chapter in our lives. A crisis of faith is sometimes necessary to shatter our childish illusions about God and discover who he really is. I mean, if you think about the story of the current bush, you know how like the current bush really wanted to like grow into this big marvelous tree and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord of the vineyard came and like cut down all the stray branches and made it a tiny little current bush. And the current bush was like, but I, I was growing, I was doing all of these amazing things. I was going to be big. And the master was like, but I just wanted you to be a current bush. Like I wanted you to fulfill the purpose that I had in store for you, not what you specifically wanted and that so that quote really hit me hard because I was like you know sometimes we're moving and doing things the way that we think it's best but it's not entirely the way that the Lord knows is best for us we have our own ideas of what our lives are supposed to look like and so we (laughs) create and sometimes we create chaos in our lives because we're just doing things on our own and not really consulting the Lord but when we do have that shattering moment where we're like broken apart and the Lord is like no you weren't supposed to be doing this and now this is the mess you've gotten yourself into like those are those moments where we get to rebuild and we get to renew and we get to start something new and discover more about who we are who we are in relation to God and how our lives matter to him exactly well said thank you but yeah, so continuing along that line of thought, though, we know that in this day and age that there are many bodies of thought and there are different beliefs. Every now and then there are waves of people within our own church, within the LDS church, who will leave because of things that happen. They have these crises of faith. They begin to doubt everything. They question everything and they end up walking away. So when they feel that they have conflicting beliefs, then everything feels a lot more complicated and a lot harder to come to a reconciliation of their beliefs and their feelings. And during that process, people begin to feel alone and they question everything and it's a very hard time. So like these are serious times that we are facing and it is prime for everyone to be dealing with crises of faith. And we've also seen this happen throughout uh, the times in the church from the very beginning when people left it over polygamy for those who supported it and didn't, as well as up to today where I know there were a few waves in the last couple of years um, in regards to how the church has treated the LGBTQ plus community. There's a lot of things that we could get into, but we're going to keep it pretty broad for this episode, I think, dealing and dealing with the crisis of faith. But yeah, so we just want to say that like we, we know how things like this can go and we know how hard it is. And crises of faith are not fun. They can be very lonely. They can be very painful. And it's something that can take a very long time to work through. Mm-hmm. And so... We want to say that we understand this and that there are ways to find peace um, through hard work, through trying to find a way to trust the Lord again and to come to terms with, you know, like what our church is saying, what it's doing and how we can thrive within it. I also found a resource from a minister. So she is a minister at the First Congregational Church in Illinois. It's technically under the umbrella of the Church of Christ. Um, And she talked about her own faith crisis, even as a minister, like Mm -hmm. how, yes, she leads a congregation of people, but she still has spiritual highs and spiritual lows and still questions things. She said something really great that I liked. She said, 
spiritual valleys are just as formative and significant as mountaintop experiences, maybe even more so. It's not fun to have a dark night of the soul. It can be disorienting and scary. Sometimes struggling with your faith even tests relationships with family and friends who may feel defensive about their own convictions. But persevering through that darkness and courageously asking those hard questions is revelatory. I thought that was so beautiful. We see it a lot. And I know you and I have talked about this when we've talked about loved ones who left the church. And, you know, it does put kind of a strain on family relationships and friendships and stuff. And people get in their heads and start feeling like, oh, maybe she's questioning, you know, my beliefs in the gospel or my beliefs or whatever. But Mm -hmm. like she said, like persevering through that darkness and persevering through those questions and that doubt and courageously asking those questions is what brings about the biggest spiritually defining moments that you could possibly have in your life. Agreed. Just kind of like what you were saying. It's important to ask those questions. It like mm-hmm. I what I did as a kid was like, if I was confused about something, I just kind of ignore it and be like, Oh, worry about that later and make <laughs> sense of this later. I know what I do believe I don't want to get myself confused for later, which is just like putting a bandaid on the problem when it's like a when gaping it could, wound. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, or like chicken pox, and it's like a band-aid will do nothing. Like, yeah. honestly, it's just, it's important to ask the question so that you can consider your own faith, consider the doctrine, consider your relationship with the Lord, and go from there. It's like, we can't just say, hey, like, I believe this. I don't know about that, so I'll just leave that on the side. It's important that we do our best to come to terms with everything within our faith and to make sense of of everything that that we want to have in our lives. Like the gospel. Exactly. So now, sometimes when we have a crisis of faith, it makes us go to a really, really dark place. It makes us ask ourselves, why even bother with religion? Why am I bothering with my faith? Why am I even trying to figure out what I believe in? Like, what is the point of all of this? Many who go through a crisis of faith sometimes think like we'll never truly know the truth about God until we die. So why am I even bother trying to figure it out now? We often burden ourselves with this guilt for not knowing the unknowable. And sometimes this is where an existential crisis comes into play. (laughs) We as humans inherently need to know if we matter, if our life has purpose. And if so, like why? It's a natural human frailty, and it often happens when we are in periods of transition. So when we're going through a faith crisis, sometimes an existential crisis occurs too because we get wrapped up in our own questions and anxieties, and then we start questioning everything about life. Yes. It's like it's like our rationalizing and trying to figure out what the right path is by following our gut instincts because no one will actually tell us. So when we're having a faith crisis that could lead us into an existential crisis, it's important to rely on familiar teachings that show us the right way. And oftentimes that brings us back to religion or a path of spirituality to help us get those answers. You can't just avoid the question because then you're going to be in turmoil for like the rest of your life. It's not, it's not worth the pain that you'll put yourself through. Yeah. So there's this, article called Faith in a Time of Crisis from the American Psychological Association's website. And it's all about having faith during COVID-19. It was really surprising to me. So it says, 
Religion was largely looked upon as an immature response to difficult times. However, religion and belief are now seen by many researchers and clinicians as an important way to cope with trauma and distress thanks to research over the last three decades. That research identified positive and negative forms of religious coping, as well as evidence that how people experience and express their faith has implications for their well-being and their health. People who made more use of positive religious coping methods had better outcomes than those who struggled with God, their faith, or other people about sacred matters. So essentially, when really crappy things are happening, it's easy to feel alone. But if you turn to God, you don't feel as alone. And you are better able to cope through these hard things than if you did not. Exactly. It's like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like a good analogy. It's trying to say, okay, like my leg is hurting. So I'm just going to try walking on it instead of like using a crutch for a little bit to try and get it to heal. Mm-hmm. or something like it's like it's okay when you're struggling to figure out your relationship with god to still talk to him yeah you don't do it on your own you go like okay god like what is wrong with us like is it you is it me oh it's me okay let me see like what what do i need to work on like please help me with this it's like if we try to like run before we can walk here then we're not going to be able to do as good as we're not going to be able to move like we could and should It's really impressive to me that, like, most of the resources that we found for the beginning of this episode are not from the church. And, like, it's literally, like, the American Psychological Association is Mm -hmm. telling us that religion matters. And it's not, like, the prophet telling us that. So, like, if that doesn't kind of alert your mind to thinking, like, maybe I should reconsider working through this crisis of faith that I'm having, like psychologists are telling you to work through it so like Mm -hmm. do it right religion i think is so important as its own concept to help us find the guidance that we need Mm -hmm. while we're struggling during our lifetime like even like for those who like switch religions it's i just think it's so important for people to find that kind of inner peace that people will find in having something to to hold on to it brings them comfort it gives them something or someone to trust in um and some guide and the guidance that they're going to be seeking yeah Um, and that's one of the things that i love about this church do we need to talk about having crises of faith yes we need to do that a lot more but there's also a lot of resources available to say hey like okay you want to learn more about this then yeah here's all these resources for you to look more into it continuing with that thought and with the American Psychological Association article, they Mm -hmm. say world's religions are ready made for when the world is turned on its head. Religion has been helping people get through hard times for thousands of years. It's tested and ready to go at a moment's notice. Just read the Psalms and you will see that it is all about people turning to God during troubled times. Even though you cannot congregate due to physical distancing rules, there are many ways to lift your spirits right now. You can play a spiritual or uplifting song, you can join fellow congregants on Zoom, or you can decide to help other people by giving to those in need. Love that. Like, I feel, I kind of laughed at the beginning of quarantine because I felt like, (laughs) woo, I'm getting like a vacation from church, which honestly, like, as a Relief Society president, I kind (laughs) of was in a way, but I also was getting a lot more. Like, physically, I was getting a break by not having to go to like multiple meetings on a Sunday. But, like, in reality, I still had to do a lot of work. 
even though we all kind of thought like, oh, this is a mental break from church. Your spirituality does not depend on you going to a building to do mm-hmm. worship services every single week. Right. Your spirituality depends on you and your connection with God. And if you're willing to put forth that effort to maintain that relationship. There is an article, Do I Believe by Nope, it's not an article. It's from General Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sister Bonnie Oscarson from, in 2016, in her talk titled, Do I Believe? She said that to believe, we need to get the gospel from our heads into our hearts. It is possible for us to merely go through the motions of living the gospel because it is expected or because it is a culture in which we have grown up or because it is a habit. Perhaps some have not experienced what King Benjamin's people felt following his compelling sermon. They all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and also we know of their charity and truth because of the Spirit of the Lord omnipotent, (laughs) which has wrought wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts that we have no more disposition to do evil but to do good continually." It's just so important that we consider, like, what she said at the beginning. Like, we need to get the ho- the gospel to get religion, to get faith, trust in the Lord from our heads into our hearts. It's not just something that we need to study and read. It's something that we need to embrace within ourselves, within our souls. Embrace and live. Yes. Thank you. And I think going with that, like, in regards to why do, why should I even bother with religion like when I'm going through a faith crisis like those are those mm-hmm. moments where you do only have it like in your head you don't have it in your heart and you're not fully embracing it but like when you make the decision to fully embrace it and to fully commit to it that's when you see the change happening and mm-hmm. things either improve or things you know get worse depending on your decision if you decide I'm just gonna leave it things sometimes get worse They could get better. I'm not saying that they won't, but like you might have more questions. You might have more doubts. Things might just be more complicated for you. But if you decide in that moment that you are determined to transition the stuff from your head to your heart, then things will change for the better for you. Amen to that. Um, So Sister Oscarson went on to say that we all need to seek to have our hearts and very natures changed so that we no longer have a desire to follow the ways of the world, but to please God. True conversion is a process that takes place over a period of time and involves a willingness to exercise faith. It comes when we search the scriptures instead of the Internet. It comes when we are obedient to the commandments of God. Conversion comes when we serve those around us. It comes from earnest prayer, regular temple attendance, and faithful fulfillment of our God-given responsibilities. It takes consistency and daily effort. And I think it's really important to reiterate this because it's easy to be tempted when we are having a crisis of faith that is easy to be like, okay, let me stop everything and think about this. Um, And that's not always the best choice. The best choice for us is to continue doing what we have been doing, but try to understand the reason behind it more to seek for more awareness and for more guidance from the Lord during these actions. Yeah, I agree a (laughs) hundred percent. Sometimes we feel like there's no point in continuing to push forward and there's no point in continuing to like read the scriptures or like read the words of prophets or anything like that. But honestly, like if you're not willing to seek the answers to your questions, then like what are you doing? I mean, it doesn't Mm. have to be through church resources. Let me clarify that really quickly. Mm. Like, you do not have to only look at words of prophets or from the scriptures. You can use scholarly articles. You can use poems, inspirational books, 
podcasts, like use whatever resource you can to find the answers to your questions. But if you think that you're going to get over a crisis of faith by sitting there and doing nothing, you are very sorely mistaken. And it's just going to drag on a lot longer than it would if you just put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and did something. Mm -hmm. And the worst analogy that I don't really like, but it makes sense. Life is a test. And when you're taking a test, you don't just sit like if you're taking a and it's an open book test. Okay. Life is an open book test where you have all the resources you need to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're trying to figure things out on an open book test, if you don't have the answer, you go and look for it. Yeah. And you look for it in your textbook, on the internet, you look for it wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And that's what you can do during life as well. That It's very important that we don't just leave those questions on the sideline and ignore them or just stop doing everything. I went back, I went and listened to the recent face-to-face broadcast with the Razbands um, the other day. I was listening to it while I was cleaning out my room and everything, wanting to do something like good on Sunday. And so they, their whole, um, their whole broadcast was about answering questions of youth who are struggling during this time because hello, there's a lot to struggle with. Yeah. Did you listen to that, Tracy? Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had written that or if I had written that because oh. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> exact same way. Sure. Yes. Okay. Nice. Um, <laughs> so go yeah. ahead. Share your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I caught most of it. There was a few points where I just like kind of tuned out. But there was a question that someone asked that they were saying like, hey, they've been struggling and they've been concerning the leaving the church. And when that happens, what the what should they do? And then Elder Rasband said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, he didn't go into as much detail as I would have personally liked because I definitely don't want people to leave the church. Um, but I think he needed to expound on a lot more of this, which is one of the reasons that we're doing this episode, yeah. um, because everyone's journey is different. We don't want people to leave the church, but everyone has their own life and their journeys really are different. Some people might feel the need where they need to take a step back from the church to reconsider they, their priorities. They might be surrounded by toxic people and have a lot of changes going on in their life. But the important message here is to not do anything rash in the heat of confusion, doubt, and sorrow. I think that's really why he was saying it. At least that's why I like to think he was saying it. It's about trying to understand these feelings within us. And instead of pushing them away quickly and pushing away the questions, we need to accept that they're there, try to understand them and calmly work our way through it so that we can make sense of what's going on inside of our own hearts and see if we can work that out with God in any way that we can. Yeah, I agree 100%. I really struggled with that face-to-face event. I'm not going to lie. For me, it just felt too scripted. Okay, so like the best way I can explain this is like when when I was on my mission, my trainers, my teachers, my mission president all told us to prepare as much as we can, like study, write down mm-hmm. important things that you wanted to hit and know that you had all of that information, but then to let the spirit work through you based on the information that you had. And to me, it felt like that whole broadcast was just him reading the notes that he had taken and not actually letting the spirit work through him. So that's where I was like really struggling, but that makes sense. Yeah, no, I just, I, what I struggled with that is that he didn't really get clear with anything. Yeah. It didn't go into the question. Exactly. There was, there were scripted answers. It felt like, and they weren't wrong. They just weren't saying enough for me personally. 
felt it fell flat for me. I just want to echo 100% what you said, Kaylee. Like, yes, Elder Razvan said, don't do it. And as much as we, like you and I, encourage people to stay mm-hmm. and to find your answers in the church, I totally understand when people do decide to take a step back in order to figure out what it is that they believe. I mean, everyone's spiritual journey is 100% different from everyone else's. So if your spiritual journey is telling you that you need to take a step back from your singles ward or from your family ward or from whatever it's telling you to do, and you need to focus on going back to the basics for yourself, finding Mm -hmm. answers to questions like, does God even know who I am? Does he love me? Is the Book of Mormon true? If you need to go back to those basic questions and you need to take a step back away from church to be able to do that, like, do it. But actually do it with the intention and the commitment to find the answers to the questions that you're looking for. Don't just leave because it's hard or don't just leave because you don't like the people around you or don't just leave because of some petty, rash, immature decision. Leave because you need to take time to focus center yourself and find answers that you cannot find with everything else going on around you. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's it's just it's just so important. Like there's a lot going on in our lives. Just be careful about what we're doing so that we are still taking care of ourselves throughout the entire process. Yeah. That's really the gist of it. Yeah. So now let's start talking about what we can do to overcome our crisis of faith. So I want to go back to gotquestions.org because they have a really cute answer that I liked. So they suggest to overcome a crisis of faith, we must repent. Repentance is the doorway to freedom. So Satan and our flesh will fight it. In our struggles, we will often do everything but repent. We will cry. We will complain. We will grovel. We'll condemn ourselves. But God asks for none of that. In overcoming a crisis of faith, we must lay our hearts bare before the Lord, pour out our souls, and surrender afresh to his will for our lives. We must cast down any idols we have erected in our hearts and abolish any worldly thoughts we have entertained in our minds. Then, by faith, we ask for the fruit that can be ours again. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control which are the fruits of the spirit that you can find in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. And so the reason why I liked this answer so much was one, Mm -hmm. because it's not coming from the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, (laughs) a non-church resource is telling us how important it is to repent in order to overcome a crisis of faith. So that was like number one for me. Mm -hmm. Number two, I did not realize how important it was to repent in order to overcome a crisis of faith. Like I thought, oh, I'm having questions. I'm having doubts. Like I need to ask questions. I need to find the answers. Mm -hmm. I did not even consider how important it might be to repent, to lay everything out there, to ask the Lord for forgiveness as you have been potentially doing the wrong thing or making chaos in your own life and (laughs) stirring up these doubts Mm -hmm. and everything. And then asking the Lord to like fill your heart with those fruits of the spirit so you can focus on what it is that he wants you to accomplish during this crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. And so that answer just lit my mind up and I was like, Oh my gosh, repentance. That's like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, obviously you really think about it. It's right there. And yeah, like that's one of the things I I've always kind of struggled with because 
it's set up in the idea of like when you're really wrong, you have to ask for repentance because you're an idiot and you have to pray that God will forgive you. But that's not the case. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is, is a gift. It is a blessing. It is the opportunity for us to lay out our hearts to our Heavenly Father. We don't need to be weighed down with the guilt and the shame. It's saying, hey, Lord, like, I'm I'm sorry I have these questions and I haven't come to you beforehand. Like, help me work through this. Like, I want to talk to you. I want to better understand things. And let's work this out together. Yeah. Like, I want to, like, set aside all my pain and my other grievances so that I can focus. I want to have faith. And I want to fix this. And I'm sorry for not doing this beforehand kind of situation. It is a game changer. Like, it really mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. It is. Honestly, the only thing I don't like about it is the fact that it's taken me first. It's taken me so long to get to this point because it was only in the last couple of years. I think there was a talk and John conference about how repentance is a blessing. And mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way at all. And it completely changed my mindset. And yeah. now it's something that I try to actively uh, look out for and pay attention to when I'm praying mm-hmm. because it is very important. And it's a good thing for us to connect with our with the Lord in that way. It shows that we are humble and that we want to trust him. I love that. All right. So back to Catherine Percy, who we discussed earlier, is the minister from the. OK, yes. That, yeah. OK. So she suggests a few things to do in order to get through a crisis of faith. So the first one, she says, is reading. And that could be, like we said earlier, scriptures, spiritual memoirs, books about your crisis, whatever. Just seek understanding in good literature. So start there. From the best things that's in our articles of faith. Yep. Right? Yes. I like it. All right. Next slide. So the next one is talking and praying with wise friends, mentors, and teachers. She says to use your network of trust. Talk with family members, friends, leaders, etc., who you know will truly listen and talk through the questions that you have. Sometimes the answers you're looking for can be found with other people. And I thought that was really helpful. Yes, that is so important. Like I do that with you. I I do that with a few other people sometimes mm-hmm. yeah like the more I'm just like okay I don't understand and I need to figure this out like I know I'm missing one thing and I have an idea but I'm not sure like it, it's just important that we can talk aloud about these sort of things because when we actually say things out loud it completely changes and it helps clarify what's on our mind yeah like, it really does once you get it out it's like your mind has freed up space to actually take in an answer. Yes. That's what's really helpful. I like that. Mm-hmm. So the next thing she says to do is to do something. She says faith crises can be paralyzing. We're not sure what to do because we're not sure what to believe. But no matter what dogmas you discard or retain as you go about reordering your spiritual life, it's key to keep practicing generosity, pursuing justice, and cultivating love for our neighbors. Volunteer in a soup kitchen. Give sacrificially to a nonprofit organization that does good work. Be relentlessly kind to the people in your life who are hardest to love. And I love that. That is so good. Sometimes we really do find the answers that we're looking for through service and just through trying to be more Christ-like. So 10 Mm. out of 10 would recommend. Yes. So this next bit is going to be a little controversial. So I want y'all to just bear with me on it. (laughs) Okay. She says, adopt a healthy bit of atheism. Quote, 
I'm not saying give up on God, but many of us discover we have held childish or false beliefs about who God is. And until we let these go, we aren't free to grasp deeper truths. I could only enter into a relationship with a loving God in whom I live and move and have my being until I stopped believing in a God who capriciously doles out cancer and car accidents, end quote. So basically, huh. act as though you don't know God at all. Get rid of your preconceived notions of God that you may have and start over again. Seek to know him as he is and really understand your relationship with him. So like, okay, turn back to the basic answers of trying to understand who God is. Like, figure out if he really loves you, if he's your father in heaven, if we're all children of God. Like, ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Readopt a new way of understanding and developing a relationship with God. Sometimes we do have, like, that childish view of God Mm -hmm. where, like, you know, he loves us, but he also hates us. So that's why he gives out cancer and, like, car accidents. Get rid of those preconceived notions that you have of who God is and try to figure out who he is on your own. Yeah, adopting a healthy bit of atheism definitely sounds scary. uh, (laughs) I'm just like, what? I can just, like, see, like, bishops around the world being like, no. Yeah. Um, But... It's just saying, like, yeah, go back to your core belief, your core relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father, and consider what is truth and what and who God really is to you. Like, get rid of those preconceived notions and start over. I really, really like that. Like, it's yeah. it's so easy to get caught up in other people's ideas, in their own testimonies, in their own versions of who God is and how things are. But we need to have our own belief our own relationship that should not be attached to anything else yeah all right so the next thing she says is to remember that faith is not uncertainty the opposite of faith is not doubt but fear the nearest synonym to faith is trust oh i love that so much yeah i love that and then the last thing she says is to live the questions um rainier maria rilke wrote i'm sorry if i just butchered her name my bad but she wrote be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them the point is to live everything live the questions now Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. And I really like that because like, yeah, like, yeah, we don't know what Heavenly Father's real stance is on the LGBTQ community. That hasn't been fully revealed yet. But what's stopping you from being kind and loving them? Nothing. Mm -hmm. So live that. And maybe one day we'll find the answer. Exactly. I really like that. And that has happened to me before. I have put down questions to the Lord and I'm like, I just want to understand this. And then it'll be, you know, sometimes a day, a week, or even a year later where I'm like, I remember having this question and I already have the answer. Like, I don't remember when this happened, but I have it. And it just further strengthens my testimony to know that we will get the answers. It'll just be in its own time. We just have to make sure that we are trusting in the Lord and that we have faith that we can learn along the way. Then one other point that I'd love to bring up or another talk is from this year's April General Conference. Um, Elder Stevenson gave a great talk titled A Good Foundation Against the Time to Come. And mm-hmm. we have talked about this. It's about it's his talk about the cornerstone. 
Yeah, um, it was literally my favorite talk from conference. Yes, it was so good. It, <laughs> it was, was so good. good. <laughs> yeah, so he started off with discussing how the Salt Lake Temple had been built, how it was, how it's spending the next four years under construction, and how important cornerstones are for a building and for our faith. That's the essence of his talk. And he made some beautiful points that how we can relate uh, the construction to the construction within our own hearts um, and the cornerstone, our spiritual cornerstones that we build for our own testimonies in our faith. He said that as I contemplate the next four years of the life of this beautiful, noble, exalted and inspiring Salt Lake Temple, I envision it more as a time of renewal rather than a time of closure. In a similar way, we might ask ourselves, how could this extensive renewal of the Salt Lake Temple inspire us to undergo our own spiritual renewal, reconstruction, rebirth, revitalization, or restoration? I love that. And yeah. he said that we might start such a process by asking ourselves questions. Um, just a reminder, that questions are not bad. They are very good. They're important. And he offers up, what does my foundation look like? What compromises a thick, walled, stable, strong cornerstones that are part of my personal foundation upon which my testimony rests? What are the foundational elements of my spiritual and emotional character that will allow me and my family to remain steadfast and immovable, even to withstand the earth-shaking and tumultuous seismic events that will surely take place in our lives? Because there is so much that is happening and there's right now life is rife with opportunities for us to have these crises of faith. And by building spiritual cornerstones, we can be better prepared and to better understand where these questions that we get are coming from and how to answer them. He said that these events, similar to an earthquake, are often difficult to predict and come in various levels of intensity. The mountain ranges of our faith can vary up and down so much, and we can wrestle with questions or doubt facing affliction or adversity and work through personal offenses with church leaders, members, doctrine, or policy. Um, but, of course, the best offense against these lies in our spiritual foundation. Yeah. Amen. Like, right? Like, I know I've talked about this before, but, like, that talk hit you and me and, like, one of my other friends so much that, like, my other friend and I decided to become spiritual accountability buddies. Yes, that's right. And so every Sunday for the last six months, we have been checking in on like how our scripture study is going, how our like answers to these questions are going, like how is our spiritual foundation improving? And it mm -hmm. has been so incredible to see yeah. how far we've come over the last six months. Like we were that's talking, exciting. we were talking on Sunday and she was like, you know what I just realized? It's been almost six months and we need to come up with questions for conference. And I was like, girl, yes. I can't believe we're oh at this goodness. point. So like we're uh -huh. we're progressing like and it's so cool to see how like the cornerstones of our lives are changing because partially because of this talk, but also because we decided to put this effort into play and to hold each other accountable to make this happen. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think that's just incredible. And it shows that progress can and will be made when you start to try to do anything to help yourself out by having some faith, by having some trust, by working with others. Anything can be accomplished and so much good is coming out of that. That's amazing. It's so great. I love it. Elder Stevenson uh, suggested what might spiritual cornerstones of our personal and family lives be? 
They may be the simple, plain, and precious principles of gospel living, family prayer, scripture study, including the Book of Mormon, temple attendance, and gospel learning through Come Follow Me and Home Evening. Other helpful resources to strengthen your spiritual foundation may include the Articles of Faith, the Family Proclamation, and the Living Christ. So there are so many opportunities and so many options that could be the spiritual cornerstones within our lives. And then his uh, his last one is just, he says that I don't think we can overstate the importance of such a firm foundation in our personal lives because these crises of faith will come. We will have these questions like there is no way to avoid them from coming. We cannot ignore them. We should not just lay them by the side and say that we'll answer them later. We yeah. need to grasp the importance of having a firm foundation and be constantly working on it. Life is a journey, you guys, and we need to be careful where we're taking each step. It kind of goes back to that really cheesy but lovable primary song, the like the wise yeah. man built his house upon the rock, like that one. <laughs> yes, though, because, yes, exactly. And I know it's in Third Nephi, also, like whatever. I'm focusing on the primary song, but like if you think about it, have you ever tried to build anything like in sand, like even just putting an umbrella at the beach in sand? A oh, girl just walking. Yeah. On sand is the worst thing. I hate it so much because, like, I already have bad balance. So I feel like I'm wobbling the entire time I'm walking, let alone, yeah. like, trying to, yeah, put an umbrella in, set a chair there comfortably. Everything moves. It's all wavy. Like, there's no sure hold on it. But then, like, conversely, if you're, like, building it into, like, good soil or, like, planting something on something that's firm and solid like a rock like it's going to stay there and it's not going to go anywhere and so like if we are basing our testimony on like the programs of the church quote unquote like young women's and like mutual mm -hmm. and ysa wards like those are the sandy foundations like that's not actually helping us to grow or to stay anywhere but if you're building your testimony on like the doctrine on jesus christ on your relationship with Heavenly Father, on understanding and learning and reading from the Book of Mormon regularly, your foundation significantly mm -hmm. becomes stronger and you can weather the crises of faith that are happening in your life. Exactly. That's that's so important. Like we need to we need to make sure our cornerstones are built to last mm -hmm. and not on things and programs and on other people. Yeah. I shared this article with Kaylee yesterday as soon as I found it because I was like this fits perfectly with what we're going to talk about tomorrow Beautiful. we need to talk about it so in this month's the okay. new enzyme the October 2020 enzyme there is an article called stand on the rock of revelation by elder Lawrence E. Corbridge who is an emeritus member of the 70 okay this was fascinating to me so he starts out the article by talking about how when he was a 70, one of the assignments that he was given was to read anti-Mormon literature and to like, That's tough. and to go through reading what people that are completely against the church are writing about and to gain this knowledge so he could share it with the Quorum of the Twelve and help them to understand what we're up against in a way, but okay. also to know how to better help and serve the people of the church who mm. are being hit in the face with this stuff on a regular basis. So this article is the things that he learned in a rebuttal, essentially, for the 
stuff that he was reading on anti-Mormon literature. Uh And so I want to share a lot of this stuff because I thought it was so great. I tried to key it. I tried to key it down a lot, but like Uh there's so much good stuff in here and it is so appropriate for talking about getting through crisis of faith. Honestly. Yeah. Right. So the first thing he said is knowledge is crucial to avoid deception, to discern between truth and error and to see clearly and chart a course through the hazards of our day. Knowledge is necessary to life and godliness. Knowledge is revelation. Hear this grand key. Knowledge is the power of God unto salvation. Going back to what we were talking about is finding knowledge out of the best books and like everything possible, like Mm -hmm. use your sources the best way that you can. The next thing he says is there are different methods of learning, including the scientific, analytical, academic, and divine methods. All four methods are necessary to know the truth. They all begin the same way with a question. Questions are important. Yes. Love it. Right. All right. So then he said there's a difference between the questions that we're asking. So there are okay. primary questions and there are secondary questions. Begin by answering the primary questions first. The primary questions are the most important questions. There are only a few primary questions I mentioned for. One, is there a God who is our father? Two, Is Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Three, was Joseph Smith the prophet? Four, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints the kingdom of God on earth? Okay. By contrast, the secondary questions are unending. They include questions about church history, plural marriage, people of African descent and the priesthood, women in the priesthood, the translation of the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, DNA in the Book of Mormon, gay marriage, different accounts of the first vision, and on and on and on. If you answer the primary questions, the secondary questions get answered too, or they pale in significance. Answer the primary questions and you can deal with things you understand and things you don't. And with things you agree with and things you don't without jumping ship. Wow. That is so good, though. There are key questions that are the most important. And anything after that, once you have that figured out, then it's easier to work through everything else that you're struggling with. Yeah. I was helping a friend who has been trying to explain the explain the church to Uh, someone that she really likes and is interested in, but he's not a member. So he's asking her questions and she's like, I don't actually really know how to answer these. And uh, during my conversation with her, I was pretty much trying to tell her the same thing. Um, I was like, okay, concentrate on the core principles, concentrate on what is very key to you and to our faith. Mm -hmm. And then anything from there, you can branch out and take tackle one thing at a time and to consider carefully like because the more you branch out the more everything tends to intermingle with each other yeah. um, but once you understand the core once you are able to share that then everything will make a little bit more sense moving forward yeah and honestly like going back to talking about your spiritual foundations mm-hmm. when i was really trying to reinforce my spiritual foundations those four questions that elder corbridge mentions are basically the questions that I was asking to reinforce my foundation and then everything else fell into place. So I can definitely echo and testify that what he said is 100% true. And I just want to finish with this one more quote from his article. He says, answers to the primary questions do not come by answering the secondary questions. 
there are answers to the secondary questions, but you cannot prove a positive by disproving every negative. You cannot prove the church is true by disproving every claim made against it. It is a flawed strategy. Ultimately, there has to be affirmative proof, and with the things of God, affirmative proof finally and surely comes by revelation through the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. So basically, work on your spiritual foundations and the rest of it will fall into place, which sounds super cliche and really trite, but I mean, I have 100% been doing this and it's been making a huge difference, so I can testify that what he said is true. Yeah, once you've got the spiritual foundations, once you have the core, then everything will work out. Yeah. Trust, have some trust, have some faith, and you're good to go. Yeah. So (laughs) what if you feel like answers aren't coming? I know we've talked about intention before, but mm-hmm. I I truly believe that having intention is the most important thing when you have a crisis of faith and you're seeking answers, peace, or revelation. Like, if you're struggling with faith in the gospel or belief in the church or anything of that nature, and your intention is to find things that are wrong with it to further solidify your struggles and your doubts, you'll do what it takes to find those points and you'll follow that. But if you're struggling with your faith and your intention is to find peace, to understand more about who God is, draw closer to Christ and like become closer with the Savior, you'll Mm -hmm. do what it takes to find peace and to find Christ. And then you'll follow that. And your intention is everything. Everything. I love that. It is. It is like when we are actually trying, then that's when we are going to have the luck that we're looking for. I love that. So now let's talk about our last little section. Mm -hmm. This is a long episode. It is. (laughs) But it's a lot of stuff that we need to share with you because we think it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, So our last little bit is how can I help someone who is going through a crisis of faith? We talked about this before in episode 30, When Loved Ones Leave. So go check it out Mm -hmm. after this episode. It's possible that your friend's crisis of faith pulls them away from the faith that you hold close to your heart, and you need to remember that it's not your fault, it's not an assault or an affront to the faith that you hold dear, and it's not a relationship-ruining choice. Your job is to continue to be the loving, supportive friend that you are, regardless of what the end result is to their crisis of faith. Your friendship should not be solely based on your religious beliefs alignment. And they are going to need you now more than ever when they are going through a crisis of faith. And if you Mm -hmm. decide to just abandon them, then you're just hitting another nail in the coffin in regards to their crisis of faith. And they are Mm -hmm. definitely not going to come back to anything related to the gospel if you just ditch them when they're struggling. Exactly. That is... That means it was a conditional relationship all along that if this person loves the church, then they can be your friend. But the moment they leave the church, then they are no longer your friend because you have decided that they're not worth your time or they were never really that good of a person or so on. Because someone ends up leaving the church, if they leave the church or if they're struggling, that does not mean anything for you. It means it is just an opportunity to be a friend. And to set an example, essentially. Um, So we wanted to give you guys a few things on how you can help others, help your loved ones, help your friends, help strangers in a non-weird way um, (laughs) while they they may be going through their own crisis of faith. So the first thing we wanted to talk about was offering to be a judgment-free sounding board for them. 
Sometimes a listening ear and a place to be vulnerable without fear of judgment is all that a person needs. And so you are doing so much more than you know just by sitting and listening with them. Mm -hmm. Honestly, they they may just need some guidance. They just need someone who's there to help them out along the way. And as we turn to others during our crises of faith, we need to be there to support those around us during theirs. Next one is to study with them. Um, Like you've been doing with your friend. And you can help them go through things. If there are articles, books, poems, scriptures, anything that helped you get through your own crisis of faith, send them with their weight, with their permission, if they're interested. And you can even read and discuss things together. Like if either of you have struggled about things before, just help them through their process and help them look for the answers as well. I think an important thing to note is like send those things to them with their permission. So like if you're like just endlessly throwing links and articles and stuff to yeah. them. like they're probably going to tune you out but if you're saying like mm-hmm. hey I read this book it really helped me to overcome this question would you be interested in reading it also if I sent it to you exactly 10 out of 10 times people will say yes like mm-hmm. if they Pretty know much. that it was something that you thought of them specifically as you were reading it or like you were thinking of them they will most likely take that so the next thing is to pray and fast for them They might not feel comfortable praying for themselves during this time, and they definitely probably won't feel comfortable (laughs) fasting for themselves, but you can pray and fast on their behalf and pray for them to have the strength that they need to overcome whatever they're going through, fast that they'll be able to find the answers that they need, like anything that you can do within your own spiritual bubble, like do for them. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the easier things I think that is doable. It's just like, okay, I can't be with this person. I can't go see them in person. Maybe Um, we don't have the time to study together or anything, but I can at least do what I can from where I am to Mm -hmm. help them out. And that's important. Um, Another thing you can do is also encourage them. Be their cheerleader because they're being their own worst enemy during their crisis. They're going to be beating themselves up. They're going to be struggling. They're going to be walking around in circles with their questions. It is hard to get through it alone. So encourage them, help lift them up, help them uh, look for ways to to bring them hope for their future and do what you can to to be supportive. So this next one is kind of for me. Yeah. I know personally I need this, so it's distract them. So hey. I know I personally need to be distracted by funny or beautiful things when I'm going through a faith crisis. Sometimes I focus too heavily on my crisis and I forget to live and find joy in my life. (laughs) So it always helps me me when people send me funny videos, send memes, or just like videos of cute babies. Like anything that will get me out of my head for a few minutes always helps me. And I swear it'll probably help someone else too. So just distract them. Don't forget, by the way, to love them, to show your love for them, show up for them. When they're in need, really be there for them, not distracted on your phone or other nonsense. Um, They probably show up for you, so show up for them. Um, You can also serve them little acts of service, like dropping off a favorite treat, cleaning for them, or whatever else you can think of will help them so much. And additionally, remind them that you love and accept them no matter what they choose to do. And you need to mean it. That is how we truly love other people. We love them because we know that they are a child of God. We know that they are that they are a good person and we love them 
for just being who they are, no matter what they end up choosing along the way. Yeah, I think when we say to love someone as they're going through a crisis of faith, like sometimes we just get into the whole like, they know I love them. Like they know it's fine. No, you need to remind them. You need to tell them that you love them and that you are there for them and that you will be there for them. Like love is not just that feeling. It's an action. It's Mm -hmm. service. It's kindness. It's talking with people. It's showing up for them. It's serving them. It's all of those things that we've talked about. And it's so important to remind those people how much you love them and you care about them and you accept them no matter what the outcome is of their Mm -hmm. faith crisis. So, yes. And make, yeah, just make sure you actually do tell them that not just like try to show it, but do tell them because people, while they're struggling, they're going to, they tend to pay less attention to the world around them because they're so trapped in their crisis and their struggles. Um, But to actually say something makes it so much more tangible to both people involved it changes so much. Like when people actually say that they love me, when they say that they support me rather than just trying to show it on occasion, it completely changes everything for me. And it reminds me that I'm not alone. And it's, it's just so important for us to do. So do that. Do it. Do it. Love people aggressively. Yes. I mean, not like, not like violently aggressively, but like aggressively telling people that you love them is always nice. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I love you. I love you. You are amazing (laughs) and you deserve good things in your life. And no matter what happens, I'm here for you. Yeah. Let them know. Yeah. No matter what. So Mm. we hope that this helped you somehow because we've been going on for like an hour and a half. Forever. (laughs) The editing process will be shorter. But like we've been talking about this for an hour and a half of Mm -hmm how you can overcome a faith crisis and how you can help someone else overcome one. And that if you're having one, don't feel like you're the only person alive that's going through one because there are so many people that are having them. You're not alone. And honestly, like just talking about those faith crises with your friends and your family and your close ones, the people that are in your circle of trust will really make a huge difference. Like I have learned that over the last few years because I have always been a, I'm going to keep these feelings to myself <laughs> and not tell them to anybody because I do not like emotional baggage. But then I realized that that's what emotional baggage is. <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> and if you don't let it out, then you're carrying uh-huh. it around for your whole life and it's not healthy. So it's let me healthy. be the first person to tell you, take care of yourself by just talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It will change things. That's, yeah, yeah it, it's not healthy. It's not fun. And it's not worth it in the long run. It Just, costs a lot of money to get over in therapy if you hold on to does. it for years and years. So just talk oh about it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. And then I think really since, I think maybe in the, like, the last two years, I've gotten so much more comfortable with asking questions, with like realizing I do have doubts and accepting them. I've started to embrace and be like, okay, I don't understand this. Now it's an opportunity for me to learn. Where is my faith? Where is my fear? How can I figure this out and find answers? And it's still hard and it's still scary sometimes because I don't really know what's going to happen next, but I do my best to trust in the Lord. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm not as terrified as everything that comes next. 
it's opening a new chapter in your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's all. All right. So thanks for listening, guys. We hope you guys learned something, enjoyed something, something like that. It was not one of our funnier episodes, but it was definitely quality worthy. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll it won't be funny for a while, but it's okay. We'll make it happen. You'll like it. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.